0: Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen's Foundation and receives support from the California Cattle Council. We've created this podcast for those wanting to connect with the people and practices of far-flung ranches and dairies in California through hearing stories from and learning more about the families in cattle country. I've mentioned in many episodes that I, I don't come from agriculture. I've never ridden a horse, raised a chicken, until recently, gone to a county fair. In a way, it was a motivation for this podcast, the idea being that we need to introduce people, as we said in the introduction, make listeners more familiar with the rancher's lifestyle. The idea being that ranches are so spread out and remote and unaccessible that this podcast would allow us to discover these things together. Even a decade back, messaging and communication wasn't all that necessary for people in agriculture. Ranchers and other agricultural producers would do their thing far away and customers would buy the products at their local grocery store. My apologies for going on a tangent, but I think the story is pertinent to the interview that we did in Fresno. I mentioned I didn't come from agriculture. In fact, prior to doing this job, I actually worked in restaurants, which I've also mentioned before. A few partners and I opened a vegetarian restaurant in Sacramento. We later opened one that served meat as well, but we had a vegetarian restaurant. And... My chef and partner, Mike, was invited to go on like a field trip to somewhere in Central California. I believe it was to Cargill to tour a processing plant that produces meat for McDonald's. Basically, one side, live cows go in and on the other side, ground meat comes out. He was accompanied by a bunch of other chefs in Sacramento. And I had a really hard time understanding what the purpose of the visit was. First of all, they're chefs and a lot of them are in high end restaurants. And then also we had a vegetarian restaurant. So there was really no connection to meat whatsoever. I think Michael was just excited to get out of the restaurant and hang out with some friends and go on the trip. And so they did. And I kind of told him, I said, don't sign any documents, give any statements. I almost thought he was being kidnapped. Now, this is about eight or nine years ago. This is still early in the development of social media. So if you followed 50 people on Instagram, you would see their posts in chronological order with no ads or anything else. I was still at the restaurant. I was messaging Mike kind of throughout the day and saying like, hey, did they like take your phone away or tell you not to, you know, take pictures and things like that? And he said, no. And he said, yeah, we just walked through the entire process. Uh, watched the live cows go in. Watch the process. He said there was one part that was curtained off. I can't exactly remember what part it was. But and then at the end of the, the trip, they went into a boardroom. And in the boardroom, there was, ironically, a stack of, of burgers and they asked uh, just one question, and these are, this is McDonald's asking these chefs one question, and the question was, did what you see make you more or less likely to eat a McDonald's burger? What I think McDonald's found out a long time ago was that given social media, given the presence of cell phone cameras, that there are no more secrets. If your processes aren't accepted by your customers, then you need to change your processes. I only relate this story because the visit in Fresno is to a livestock auction, and the later you get in the process of ranching, the closer you get to the animal being actually processed. Now, if you're someone that doesn't eat beef, you're probably listening to the ROM podcast. When asked what I do for a living, sometimes there's people that I meet that are vegetarian, and I ask one simple question, and is should people eat beef or not? It's pretty simple. If the answer is no, then it's kind of a non-starter. You don't really have to discuss it. If it's yes, then the processes that I've seen, the ranches I've been to, the cows I've met, the ranchers have a term that they use that says one bad day. The animals that I have met live wonderful lives, but at the end, it, they are a commodity, and they are raised to make beef or milk or both. I attended the Fresno Livestock Commission's auction on Thursday. On Thursday, it's just cows. Well, heifers and cows. It's actually important a uh, distinction. Heifers are female cows that have yet to have a calf, where when they do have a calf, they actually are called cows. In this episode, we speak with Phil and Cindy Tooze, the father-daughter duo that runs the Fresno Livestock Commission. I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country.
1: Good afternoon from Fresno Livestock. Uh, Phil Toos and Cindy Toos, father-daughter duo here, along with our fantastic crew of about 25, run a market in Fresno County, the only market in Fresno County. We sell dairy beef on Thursdays. On Saturdays, we sell pigs, sheep, goats, and cattle. We've been in business since 1990. My dad started it uh, January 1st of 1990. I came on board in April of 1997, and here we are at year 33.
0: For this business, can you explain exactly what we what we what happened today so people from my understanding is that people brought in animals for sale right and then other people came here to buy said animals. Can you explain th- this part but of the sector <laughs> okay. yeah, go ahead. What, what's your name
2: My name is Phil Toosth happened to be the father of this father daughter combination today uh, was quite interesting we had Two different kinds of cattle from the dairymen. First of all, we had the open heifers and then we had the beef cows or the dairy beef following. On the first Thursday of every month is when we have our special dairy heifer sale and they come in. Uh, they're weighing from 700 up to we even had some up as heavy as 1,600 pounds. But most of them are probably 900, 1,000, 1,100. And these are the heifers that don't fit their program. Uh, most of them are what we call barren heifers. They go to a feedlot, so the buyers that were sitting on the seats today buy them. They transport them in their own trucks. They go to a feedlot and probably stay on feed for roughly 120. To 140 days um, before before they uh, go to market. On the second half are the dairy beef. These are the cows that uh, no longer are providing uh, an income for the dairy month. They might not be bred back. Uh, Their production has gone quite low uh, for various reasons. They come to market, and then the packer buyers buy these and then they uh, go to market, and that's where we go and stop by Carl's Jr., In-N-Out, McDonald's, that's the outlet for the ground beef. In the United States now, if I recall correctly, that over 50% of the beef consumed in the United States is ground beef. To go along with this program, what they do, when I say they, I'm referring to the producer. They give us a phone call, tell us how many animals they want picked up, and we have sub-haulers that work for us. Many of them uh, uh, have been on board for 25 years or more, and they've increased their uh, transportation. Uh, They have larger trucks. Uh, They have larger goosenecks. They're brought in, and, uh, and, and they're unloaded here. They're tagged. Uh, they are filled out with a consignment that consignment is forwarded into the office. Those numbers are then put into a computer and it will designate the ownership when they come through and we 're all computerized and that is the way the sale goes w-
0: Would you say so in the sale itself when I was watching i don 't i don 't really know what to look for in like what makes one one cow better than another or what, what people are looking at? And I know I've talked a lot about ranchers the men been walking cows and all that kind of stuff. Are there like tips or tricks or is it just, can someone look at whatever the workup is on paper and already know the cow they're trying to buy before even seeing them in person or is it a mix of both?
2: These packer buyers, some of them uh, buy certain kinds of cattle that fulfill their orders. A good example is Cargill that's only four miles north of us. They have the largest facility uh, west of the Mississippi. And they, I think, supply all of the ground beef for McDonald's. I might be corrected on that. Consequently, the cows that they are looking for are what they call cutters. Cutters in our business mean they have less cover. They're not fleshy. They not have excess fat on them. Now, some of the other packer buyers that are here like the thicker kind of animals. Which normally have a higher yield and they have certainly a different outlet.
0: When you were talking about the first the, the two groups that came through and the first were what you said were heifers, the first ones that came through, what's their their end use? Is it the same as the, the second group or do they go somewhere else?
2: The heifers and the cows are like apples and oranges. The the cows that are bought here go direct to uh, be harvested. The heifers that are bought here go into the feedlot for an extended period of time and eventually they will end up a lot of these heifers will grade by grade they might uh, get into the choice category and so when they're when they're buying the heifers uh, these people that are sitting on the seats I might add are really experts they're professional they've been at it for a long long time and so they Uh, When they're they're buying them, you say, where do they start or where do they stop? They are experts at at purchasing livestock. They look at weighing condition. They look at health. They look at size. There's just so many factors that go into it, and they develop that skill over a number of years in their purchasing program.
0: Have you guys always, because um, I even looking at your shirt, it has various animals you know, stitched into it for Fresno livestock. Did you always d- do that mix of animals, or did you start specifically with cows?
2: No, when, when I come on board, there are two sale days here. We're Thursdays and Fridays. Today, we're speaking primarily of the dairy beef, dealing with the dairy industry. But on Saturday, uh, you know, we live in a county that is so diversified with so many nationalities so many races and there's so many um, ways to sell and merchandise your livestock there's pigs there's lambs there's goats there's cattle i mean uh, occasionally we have water buffalo we've had some you know other kinds of livestock but you know uh, the community that we live in I don't know, somebody said there's something like 57 languages spoke in the county of Fresno. So there's a, there's a need for all these small animals.
0: Um, Cindy, we spoke a little bit earlier. Just touched on the idea of precipitation this year and how it, you know, it, it adversely affected, you know, a bunch of operations. Can you speak to that?
1: Yes. So, if you watch the news or you live in the West, you know that you've had a tremendous amount of rainfall and/or snowfall. Fresno County and our rivers and streams are overloaded, as is our holding facilities. And we are very, very blessed with the bountiful rainfall, we do remember what it was like to not have any, and so to complain about muddy corrals is not something we're going to do. However, our neighbors to the south have had to evacuate upwards in the neighborhood of 30,000 head of livestock off of their dairies, and and that's just the the moving livestock. The other things that people don't think about that have been evacuated are also the commodities how many loads of hay gets moved out, um, the things that are perishable. And some of it has to be left, the silage piles. um, Maybe you can scoop off the top of it, but you can't really get all of it. So there's devastating losses uh, to the south of us with the dairies that are there and and people's homes their livelihoods their crops that are underwater what we've seen here is uh some of the lack of availability for people to be able to get into their ranches to move their commodities off their their livestock it's just it's just too muddy so for our numbers in our cattle department for our grazing cattle, we've seen a decrease in that. That lends also to the decrease overall that we've come through the drought that we have seen. Our small animals, they're they're a little different. So they they've been steady through this whole rainfall. It's certainly something we're mostly cemented here. So our alleyways and such, we keep them sanded so the slippage and. And uh, the movability once on site here is all safe for not only the livestock, but also for all of our employees.
0: How long has this, when was this barn built that we're, that we're in right now?
1: This facility was built what we refer to as post-war in the 40s. Uh, there was a family that, that built the facility. And since we've come on board, we have modified Uh, a lot of it, poured more cement, built more pins, put up covers, uh, made it more accessible, more user friendly.
0: I was looking actually at the sign. You are an auctioneer, is that correct? That is correct. But today, somebody else was here in your stead, or is it normally that there's someone else doing it? Today, the
2: auctioneering duties uh, were shared by myself and C.J. Brantley, who we brought on board about two years ago. You know, C.J.'s young, vibrant, got a lot of go to him and a lot of knowledge. So what we do, I sell the heifers. He sold the beef. And then on Saturday with our small animals, I always sell the pigs. And then I work with the youngsters out there in the back, sorting the livestock to bring them into the ring. Uh, that's very important how you present them. And C.J., he's a workhorse. I mean, his average, uh, when he gets into the block around 930, heel sale for four to five hours straight.
0: I'd heard and saw but didn't talk to a lot of the people working and moving the animals back there but you said you called them like kids like where where are they from and, and what's what's their motivation for for working here?
1: We recruit through the high school ag teachers, and the local Fresno State College, Fresno City uh, Colleges. And the kids come to us through, a uh, lot of them through the FFA programs. And we we are oftentimes their first employer. We help these kids learn how to go to work. They, they oftentimes come with a work ethic. Maybe they've they don't really understand how to work as a team, how to depend on each other, how to be on time, to communicate. You can think back to your first job and how how that might compare to today's world that you that you live in and so we do refer to them as kids even though some of them might be older we're older we're maybe the oldest and so we still look back and say oh well let's tell the kids outside as a as a rough term
0: the other thing that i i got because i've never been to like i said a, a livestock auction very much everyone obviously knows each other for the most part there's a big sense of community but then also on the property you have a small diner
1: Fresno Livestock is a gathering spot. We have a large parking lot here. Even though most markets, you drive by them five or six days a week and you see nothing going on, on the day that the sale is held, that's the day of commerce. And things increase exponentially in town when that happens. People will come. They'll fill up with fuel. They'll, at our cafe, they get a burger or a lunch. They might eat it here. They might take it to go. We've had meetings here. We've had cowboy country church here. We've had tours here uh, nationally and internationally and locally. We are an open public facility. We love to tell our story. We love to encourage people uh, to get involved, and we like to help show them and help them find their path to become involved.
0: Do you love what you do?
2: Do we love what we do? Do we love what we do? Mm-hmm. You know, I've mentioned it many, many, many times that when this business ceases to be a hobby, that I'm going to walk away. But uh, do I love to do it? want to let you know that I am fortunate enough to be 83 years of age and enjoy doing what i'm doing whether it's on the telephone whether it's behind the microphone i talked about to be able to just do the deal i do the deal and it's so diversified when the phone rings i don't know what they're looking for uh and you know i don't take care of the office cindy does a marvelous job uh with her staff but it's uh it's it's just a pure joy i've enjoyed marketing Ever since I got out of school, I've actually been in livestock marketing since 1962.
0: In these businesses, especially with ranches, but even in here's like family legacy is a big part of it. I mean, how, do you, how are you guys feeling about the next? What's, do you have a next iteration at some point? like, Or is it, is it something you think about? Or are there people that you're kind of grooming? I'm going
1: to answer the last question okay. first, and then I'll answer that. So to answer the do I love what I do, I do love what I do, there's a lot of coordination that goes into it. We not only work here at the market, Uh, We're involved in the community, we sit on different committees and boards, we want to see the animal agriculture aspect of it, our portion of it, and other people's portion of it succeed, thrive, and we we spend untold hours. When we're at a family event, uh, most of the conversation will be about the sale barn. It just kind of gears around to that. And to add on to your next generations, we have a niece and a nephew, which would be a grandson and a granddaughter that work here, and they love it. If they were here to speak behind the microphone, they have grown for a love to it. And they both can run any station here uh, one of them, Cameron. He does welding. Presley, she can run the office. She can consign. They're multi-talented, and when you put in the the hours that we put in, you bet you better love it. It's it's really it's work, but it isn't a burden when you love what you do.
0: Is there anything else that you'd like to address? Or a lot of times people like to address, you know, misconceptions about certain businesses or anything like that. Is there anything you'd like to talk about?
1: I'd like to address the part of the traceability factor that we have in the food chain. When livestock comes in here, we get the phone call from the producer. We call the transportation. The transportation picks up the cows. The cows are identified. They're brand inspected. They come through here. They have a barcode on their tag so that when they they get to the next step then they are uh, scanned in and so the the part of the traceability that happens at fresno livestock happens at an extremely high level the second thing i'd like to address is that on thursdays is all cattle and our entire crew is beef quality assurance certified we in fact were the 2023 marketer of the year the entire staff took the time to become certified. From the age of 17 years old to the age of 83, everybody participated in the program and passed. So if all of us can do it, so can
2: all of you. Here's another example that brings a lot of joy to me. We talked earlier about a number of these kids or these young adults that come on board that come to work for us realizing that this is perhaps their first job and what a joy it is to watch them when they come into the office especially day one and they get pick up a check for their efforts and they sign it and cash it and then I see them open up their wallet and it's like I've arrived they, they it's a new plateau form and it uh, it brings a lot of joy to me.
0: Thank you guys very much for being so open and and allowing me to come last minute and bother you guys. Um, uh, It's our policy that our interviewees are able to preview and approve the content on our podcast. We're often on a tight schedule and these approvals happen in a matter of hours. To date, we've produced 39 episodes. We've only once had an edit. This is the second Cindy Chews wanted to add that the legacy of the Fresno Livestock Commission not only belongs to her family, but to many of her long-term employees. She wrote the following. Our current yard man, Jesse, inherited his job from his father, who worked for us for 20 years. And now two of the grandsons also work for us. Three generations in all. My office manager, Helen, has worked for us for 22 years. And her husband, Rodney, has hauled for us for the same amount of time. Both of their daughters grew up here and in the trucks. When they were little... They started out bringing up consignments and helping with baby goats and baby calves. They are very knowledgeable about all things in Fresno Livestock. We also have many siblings that work for us as well, as well as cousins. These are the sort of intangibles that I struggle to relate in this podcast. Many have to do with community. Cindy's edit speaks to her character. It's the foundation of these communities. If you'd like to see pictures from our visit, including photos of Cindy and Phil Tooze, the auction barn, and a creepy mannequin, you can visit www.calcattlecouncil.org. We also have an Instagram account at calcattlecountry. As always, we invite your feedback. If there's something you'd like to hear from stories from California cattle country, you can connect with me directly at ryanatcalcattle.org. We'll be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening.